this is a Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Serious Security Seminar. Uh, it's my great pleasure to introduce uh, today's speaker, Dr. Yan Huang. Uh, Dr. Huang is an assistant professor at uh, our neighbor, Indiana University at Bloomington. Um, Dr. Huang is interested in developing sec secure protocols for private collaborative data mining, secure cloud computing, and cyber physical systems. Uh, he's the creator of FastGC and ObliVM which are the leading software tools to build efficient, secure computation applications and have been used in several uh, high-profile research projects by both academia and industry labs worldwide. Thank you very much for the introduction. Um, welcome to my talk. And uh, I want to, in this talk, to share some of my experience to develop very efficient privacy-preserving applications. <coughs> I want to use this as a motivating example. So let's assume two scientists, uh, they want to decide whether to date each other. They believe in the scientific papers that link romantical relations with uh, their genomes. So before going to a bar, they like to apply these findings to estimate their likelihood of being compatible. But the naive solution is to exchange uh, the entire genome data, which is clearly personal sensitive information. Precautious scientists like them won't be willing to do that. They would prefer to test their gene uh, gen genetic compatibility while keeping their genomes to themselves. So my second example maybe uh, sounds more serious. Consider several uh, internet service providers trying to work together to filter out problematic network packets. For example, those packets due to spam, um, botnets, or internet uh, worms. The idea is to run certain data mining algorithm uh, over the combined network traces supplied by all users. Nevertheless, recall the ISPs are actual business competitors, while their network traces are regarded as business secrets. So the interesting question is, can they detect abnormal network traffic without actually revealing their sensitive um, traces to their competitors? You might have already um, observed both examples share a common problem structure which is two or more mutually distrustful parties are trying to compute some public function f over their private secret inputs. For example, in this simplest two-party case, Alice and Bob, who hold secret data x and y respectively, want to compute f of x, y. What's most important here is the security requirement. Namely, the final output Z should be revealed, but nothing beyond Z about the secret inputs can be leaked. Well, ideally, if there's a third party trusted by everyone, the problem is trivial to solve. 
everyone simply send the secret inputs to the third party, who will compute the function fxy, and the report all in the correct output. However, in reality, such trust third party is very expensive to have, and in sometimes uh, very uh, sometimes it's impossible to find one. So how we do? Um, probably the parties want to get rid of this third party altogether, while keeping the inputs to themselves and wish to just run some peer-to-peer -peer protocol on their own. And being able to output the result, leaking nothing beyond. This is achieving exactly the same thing as if a mutually trusted third party existed like in the ideal world. So the question is, is this possible at all? If it's possible, how can it be done? There's a whole field of cryptographic research called secure computation, which enables, uh, which develop given the techniques to enable this task. So now before going on, I want to um, ask you whether you have any questions on this setup. No questions? Good. But even you don't have more questions, um, I want to point out at least uh, something that's not supposed to be solved by secure computation. What's out of scope is, first, we're not solving anything by, uh, that leaks imp uh, information through the final output. So if you, the final output is intrinsically uh, leaking a lot of information about input, you probably don't want to do that at all uh, in the beginning, in the first place. The other thing we don't, uh, that is not solvable by secure computation techniques that if your implementation is bad on your own side, we can do, not do anything. You have to guarantee that you are running the correct software that touches your own private input data. You don't, want, you, you don't need to be responsible for uh, other people's software on the other end, but you have to be very careful on your own software running the protocol. Okay. That being said, the problem of security computation was first raised by the Turing Award winner, Andrew Yao, in 1982. Four years later, he published the first solution, later, no, uh, later on known as the Yao circuit or Gabler circuit pro uh, protocol. This is a groundbreaking result in this area. However, this result remained purely theoretical until the seminal work of Fair Play 20 years later. Fair Play provided a compiler tools to build protocol using Yao circuit. Nevertheless, the performance of uh, Gabriel circuit was uh, extremely poor. Evidence in Fair Play and uh, several other projects around the time. For example, it took more than one second to solve the millionaire problem, which is just comparing two integers of 32 bits. The most Complicated demo from Fair Play was computing the median of 20 numbers, 16 bits each, which takes uh, seven seconds. There are even more issues. Security researchers did try to build real-world applications using Gabriel circuits. 
However, the largest computation people could run in this 2008 paper uh, was computing the added distance between two strings. So for you information, added distance is defined as the minimum number of edits to translate one string to the other. It was envisioned to be used for privacy-preserving um, genomics. But uh, the longest strings that could be handled by then contain merely 100 characters. That's far uh, smaller than the scale of computation required by genomic computing. And even that took more than one minute uh, to compute in a privacy-preserving way. Due to these efficiency and the scalability issues, for a long time, the community generally perceived Gabler circuit impractical to address real-world uh, security challenges. In fact, applications using Gabler circuits were rarely seen. In 2011, we had a breakthrough um, on this problem. I developed a software framework, FastGC, with my advisors and the clicks. We showed it is, uh, it is possible to run computation at very large scales and orders of magnitude uh, faster than the best, uh, the best previous work. Take these uh, three particular problems as an example. It uses only 320 microseconds uh, to, to, the, the, to do the secure comparison and the 0.8 milliseconds to compute the median, and only four seconds to solve the uh, four seconds to solve this uh, uh, at a distance problem. Same same problem, and we can do this for uh, arbitrary size strings, not just 100 characters. Our result has fundamentally changed the image of Gabler circuit technique. It not only convinced people that a Gabler circuit is, can be scalable and efficient, but also made it easier for people to develop useful applications. Soon after the release of FastGC as an open source project, many researchers all over the world uh, has developed interesting applications using, software, using this software framework. These applications ranged from privacy-preserving biometric matching to uh, privacy-aware neighborhood watch. In this sense, it has popularized the Gabler circuit uh, technique. Since we made the code available, it has attracted more than 500 direct downloads from our website in the first two years. Our users come from research universities as well as some prestigious industry labs. Many, research, uh, many projects uh, built on top of my framework has already been published in premium security conferences. We've made a list of contributions uh, in pushing security computation from a highly theoretical con concept towards something people may use in daily lives. I've also done work to make the idea of security computation more suitable for processing RAM programs. My other three pieces of work uh, made security computation many times faster against the very strong uh, active adversaries. But in this talk, uh, we will focus mostly on protocols and applications in the passive uh, adversary model. Now, I'm going to explain some highly technical stuff 
about uh, important building block of Gabor circuits. It's gonna be only five minutes, but uh, feel free to stop me if you have any questions. I will use the computation of a NAND gate as a toy example. Uh, why do I choose NAND? It's because if we know how to do NAND by the uh, theory of uh, digital circuits, we know how to do any computation, object computation. So by computing a NAND gate securely, we mean two distrustful uh, parties, for example, Alice and Bob, who supply input bits uh, each and want to find, uh, find out the NAND of the two bits, say, two secret bits of zeros um, on both side, from both sides. The goal is to compute nine, zero ninth without revealing the secret input bits to each other. So with uh, Gabor circuit protocol, the two parties will be assigned two different roles. <coughs> Say Alice will be the circuit generator and Bob the circuit evaluator. The high level idea is for Alice to create an encrypted circuit of NAND gate and send this to Bob to evaluate. In the end, Alice and Bob will have to work together to find out the uh, result of the computation. Let's begin the work of circuit generator first. Alice, as the circuit generator, first generates uh, two random strings of at least 80 bits each to represent zeros and uh, uh, one signals on the input wires for A, for wire A. That is, the string A0 will be used to representing signal zero and A1 used to be uh, representing one on wire A. Next, she will do s similar things for the other input wires B and the output wire Z. So now we have a total of six labels. Uh, A0, A1, B0, B1, and Z0, Z1 to representing uh, plain signals. So we call these random bits strings while labels, and now Alice has a total of uh, six labels sampled. They're sampled uh, totally, in, uh, entirely independently, random. But only she knows the mappings of the random strings to the bit signals. That's a secret mapping. What Alice want to use this is they will create uh, an encrypted AND gate using those labels. She first encrypt um, Z1 using A0 and A1 as the two keys. That is because 0, 9, 0 is 1. So he used A0, B0 as two keys to encrypt Z1. Then she will generate three more encryptions uh, using appropriate pair of keys to encrypt the appropriate output wire labels. Notice that the sub, uh, subscripts of the wire labels from the same pattern um, uh, form the same pattern as the true stable of an NAND gate. Right? Now going back to these four encryptions, this is what we call an encrypted NAND gate, four encryptions. So I just send this encrypted NAND gate to Bob, then her part of the work 
uh, as the generator is done. Now it is Bob's role to come up making sense of these four encryptions. Of course, the right way to make sense, good sense of encryptions are getting the proper keys. Okay. Remember, they uh, they want to compute zero nine zero. Okay. So Bob needs to obtain two while labels that corris corresponding exactly to the uh, input zero and zero. Which while labels corresponding to zero and zero from those uh, six labels? A zero and B zero, right? Good, very good. So Alice will just need to transfer A zero and B zero to Bob. Seeing A zero, Bob um, know does Bob know the bit? Uh, uh, you've seen a random string A0. Does Bob know this represents 0? No, because the secret mapping is only keep uh, secret to, to Alice. Good. Um, so now, knowing A0 and B0, Bob will try to decrypt every entry of the four encryptions using A0, B0 as a pair of keys. Obviously, he will only be successful in decrypting the first entry, which gives Bob Z1. Once Z1 is sent back to Alice, Alice figures out the result of the computation should be 1, because the random string he received from Bob is exactly Z1. Questions? What about uh, if Alice lies? It's basically the res response is one. It sends out Z1, but Alice says it's zero. So Bob doesn't know. So our, it's OK, you it's can. So that way, this, uh, from this presentation, mm -hmm. uh, only Alice knows the result. But yeah. if, you want both, if you want Bob to know the result, you mm -hmm. can flip it back to run the uh, whole protocol. Okay. It's a question of whether they can know the answer at the same time. That's the hard question. It's, uh, uh, for g generic protocols, that's not possible. Um, there, are, there are a lot of work on that. It's a fairness issue <coughs> for this setting. That's the case. Any more questions? So in this particular setting, can Alice commit the, the, the mapping, the final that's mapping, also, and that yeah, that's the, yeah, that's another very good point. Uh, the, the way is that uh, instead of flipping the rows and doing the whole program again, uh, we can actually just have the Alice to send two hashes of uh, Z0 and Z1 to Bob. So Bob, by hashing what he get from the decryption and comparing with the hash of Z0 and Z1, he can figure out whether should, I should output 0 or 1. Well, I assume you're going to explain how they get B0 next, is that right? Or your yes, team? yes, you can, you can see the future. <laughs> yes. So this is almost done for describing Gopher circuit. However, I uh, ignored, overlooked two issues, two security issues. Okay. The first issue is that uh, there's a, a leak if Bob is malicious. So by observing which row 
he actually decrypts successfully, Bob can actually uh, infer Alice's private input, right? As we currently describe the protocol. For instance, in our case, Bob will know Alice's input must be zero because it is the first entry in the table that decrypts uh, correctly. And uh, by the way, Alice generates the encrypted date gate. This row always corresponds to the input signals zero, zero. There's an easy fix to this problem. Alice simply just um, apply a random permutation to these four entries uh, in the table before I send this to Bob. Now, even though Bob has the uh, same pair of variables, the entry he would uh, succeed in, uh, in decryption will be uh, independent of Alice's private input. Now we fix this issue. The second issue is what we mentioned that how Bob can get a B0 without explicitly telling Alice that I want B0. You can't tell Alice that I want B0 because you want to hide your input is zero. Yeah. So regarding this issue, uh, <coughs> this is uh, actually can be done exactly using the sub protocol called oblivious transfer. Without re uh, relying on a third party, oblivious transfer allows, um, takes two inputs, input messages from the sender. In this case, is Alice. And the one selection signal from the receiver. Okay. And uh, uh, in this case, the receiver is the Bob. And the output of the uh, selected messages using uh, to receiver, but reveal nothing more to either party. In this case, Bob will learn B sigma, if sigma is the Bob's choice. And Alice learn nothing, but he learns that Bob will know one, bit, uh, one, one of the two messages, but he doesn't know which one. Uh, we will use oblivion transfer protocol in a black box approach. In, I'm not going to talk further how this can be done. Uh, there are a whole lot of research on how to implement this uh, primitive uh, efficiently. So finally, this is a whole picture of the basic Gabor socket protocol uh, computing a, a nano gate. Uh, you may wonder what if we want to com uh, compute an OR gate. So you see this, uh, the same idea applies well to an OR gate. You only need to do is to construct the Gabor gate according to the choose table of OR gate. Notice the uh, Choose table of the one zero ones, they corresponding to the OR gate. This technique is very generic. Uh, that means it can be used to compute large circuits built by connecting uh, binary gates. The basic idea is to use the internal wire labels as keys to the encryptions at the next level of gates. If some details, uh, so now I finish this uh, um, oh, oh, a quick demo of Gabor socket protocol. 
it's very it's highly pro, uh, technical. If you are confused about uh, parts of the protocol, I think that's okay. You will be okay understand uh, the rest of the talk. Uh, but it's worth pointing out that this actually uh, uh, this is actually a linear time algorithm. Oh. Uh, linear time protocol, but there's a huge constant factor hidden by this big O notation, which explains the prohibitive cost in practice. So, just remember, copper circuit protocol is very expensive. So, all the work we want to do is to reduce this uh, constant factor. Uh, before going forward do you have any questions okay now understanding the basics of a uh, gobble circuit technique the next question you might have is can this be done uh, to solve real-world uh, security problems well there are at least uh, two imminent challenges for applying gobble circuit pro uh, protocol one is efficiency, the runtime efficiency. The other one is um, program memorability. Essentially, it's the efficiency of development. Okay. We'll talk about both. Uh, how can we handle both? For efficiency optimizations, there are many of them. Um, first of all, we want to design very efficient circuits. Uh, we have different optimizations that allow um, different gates to be computed in uh, at a different co cost. So, notably, XORs is free. So you m want to trade uh, more XORs for uh, more expensive gates. Okay. The other one is um, you want to use the right protocol, uh, crypto protocol. Different crypto protocol is uh, good at different things. So even you want to uh, de devise a circuit that apply different protocols at, at the, the right place. You want to budget your code. Um, you don't want to compute everything blindly in secure computation because it's too expensive. So you want probably partition your code. You want to budget your data. You, don't, you want to use the minimum data size as possible, as much as possible, because every day, every bit counts. Everything happens at a binary so, uh, level if you're using Gobble Circuit Protocol. L last, there's a pipeline execution where uh, the basic idea is that we want the everything is pipelined, so nothing needs to be stored on disk. That makes you possible to run large-scale applications. I'm not going to go uh, details in all the organizations. They're not complicated. But they're very effective when they're applied combined in a combined approach. Instead, I want to go through uh, some application and uh, point out how they're taking, they can be applied and the taking effects in a specific application. So the application I want to use here is the Common Context Android app, which I developed uh, back uh, three years ago. The app demonstrate, uh, demonstrated strangers can compute their common contacts without trusting uh, any third party. We show it is uh, it runs with very reasonable performance on regular Android smartphones. 
which is somewhat uh, impressive, considering it was thought to be impossible even on powerful workstations. The high-level idea of doing the set intersection uh, boils down to this diagram. So the purple stages are something we really want to do in secure computation. While the first stage, we explicitly leverage a local sort, which can happen uh, independently at each, um, each side of the, to, uh, to compute locally. While Orin doing the more expensive collaborative part in the uh, purple uh, boxes, which are oblivious merging, oblivious uh, comparisons, and uh, oblivious shuffling. Notice that um, we have to do the shuffle at the third stage. Because if we don't do shuffle, then we might leak um, the intersection position, where the position may leak and how each set is uh, formed. Like if the smallest element is in the intersection, then you are leaking more than the just intersection. You can infer that, oh, you don't, know, no, you don't have anything smaller than that. That's something more than you can tolerate. Uh, back to a code representation, uh, I use this Python code to capture what is going on in the previous slides. So we have two sorts. When we do merge, filter, uh, fil uh, linear scan, and shuffle, we well, notice that this first two sort uh, sort only deals uh, uh, inputs from one party, so we can uh, do it without copper circuit. This reduce uh, this is a demo demonstration of the uh, budget your code. You want to budget your code that deals with secure computation. Now, here I want to show an example of design efficient circuits. So there are many, many opportunities you come to down to specific applications. For example, this is, uh, let's look at this uh, linear filtering. So after the oblivious merging of two sorted list, if there is an intersected element, they should be neighboring ones, like the, the, those green dots should be uh, representing uh, intersection because they're the same, they happen in both inputs. When we get it sorted, it should be neighboring. Okay. Now, a natural way to implement this is that we do two comparisons and output the original element if and only if the two inputs are the same, identical. So there we have, uh, this, in this case, the two green dots neighboring to each other will be output as green, and all others will be just output as dummy. Okay. It's a very natural implementation. However, if you can assume that each party has a, uh, has a set that don't have any uh, duplicates, then we can do much more efficient. Each set, if it, it's a very reasonable assumption that each set doesn't have duplicates. What we do is that we, instead of do, doing uh, two-element comparison, we do three-way comparison. Uh, the three-way comparison can be done in a way that roughly the same cost as two comparison over all, like, over all two n elements. So each, set if it's, each set has n elements. At this stage, at the end of the merging stage, we have two n elements, right? 
But the savings here is that out of this scanning with three-way comparison, we end up only have roughly n elements because we are eliminated like every three we pick one and we have connecting ones so we actually roughly uh, halving the number of elements that will speed up the third stage so we are sh instead of shuffling two n elements we are only shuffling n elements that's uh, one circuit level optimization so using fast GC uh, primary setting section actually outperforms the state of art um, customized protocol. The performance of uh, a generic PSI protocol is very competitive, especially when the security parameters goes up. Uh, what we compare to is uh, this DT10 paper. Um, it's um, what we call a custom protocol built based on uh, asymmetric uh, public key operations. Um, look at this um, figure. We, using a generic protocol, we can accept the set elements is represented using 160 bits, or either if you set it's not very large, we can assume each element is only represented using 32 bits, which is uh, five times more efficient. However, this trick is does not uh, does not apply to this uh, uh, custom protocol by uh, DT0, uh, DT10 so this is a one way to demo that we want to budget your data so if you come with an application that 32 bit representation is enough you can go with 32 right. now i want to t talk a little more about uh, generic and uh, custom protocols so FASTGC uh, is a representative uh, generic approach. It features low design cost because we only need to worry about the circuit <coughs> construction instead of the underlying cryptographic design. Plus, it is flexible to implement any computation. Customized protocol are the opposite. People look at a very specific uh, computations and trying to make it skew, usually relying on lesser-known hardness assumptions. It requires considerably more design effort, and the end product doesn't generalize well to other applications. However, in the past, since the generic protocol performs so badly, researchers actually turned to uh, customized protocols hoping to get better efficiency. So this, uh, we see one example is private setting section, and another example is sci-fi. A privacy-preserving face recognition prototype based on a customized secure Hamidison protocol. However, once we implemented this Hamidison protocol um, using our framework tool, we found that it actually can be 4,000 times faster than sci-fi. We also achieved all those uh, magnitude speed up um, in the case of added distance and AES, for which uh, no custom protocol were known. The lesson here is that before innovating any custom protocols in the future, you want to at least get a generic version done as your evaluation baseline. Yeah. Uh, before going forward, do you have any questions?
Now, how, how easy it is it to develop privacy-preserving applications? Um, sadly, it is, seems not very easy. Writing programs, we know that it uh, can be very hard. And uh, writing programs correctly deal with crypto is even harder. The Gobrosopia protocol requires so many tricky cryptographic uh, co uh, components to produce reasonable performance. That means applications, uh, application developers might have to fight through this notoriously error-prone process when building uh, the concrete secure computing applications. It can make the non-crypto expert life uh, pretty miserable. So our solution to this problem is we provide a library that already implement the basic uh, gates, like AND gates, XOR gates, OR gates, NOT gate. Then based on this very basic circuits, uh, gates, we build already very efficient implementations of uh, some basic circuits that do a little bit more complicated things, like uh, arithmetics and uh, comparisons and uh, multiplexers. We, call, we bound the, uh, wrap this up as a library. Then based on this library, we can develop um, various applications like set intersection, at a distance, and AES. So I want to show an example. Uh, let's say you, if you want to, as a developer, you want to uh, develop a secure adder. So my suggestion is that you probably want to first divide, uh, if you want to do an n-bit adder, you probably want to do a one-bit adder. To, to begin with. So this one bit either only just take uh, five lines of code. These five lines of code describe the circuit diagram shown in the upper right uh, corner. This is all the user has to write for one bit either. So you might ask, where is the tricky crypto code? The answer is that the cryptographic parts are well wrapped up uh, in the implementations of AND and XOR gates, which I uh, have done this once for all other programmers. So once this one-bit adder is done, finishing the, the n-bit adder is easy. You can just invoke the one-bit adder n times using the fixed uh, bound for loop to get the um, n plus one-bit secret sum. I used Python code to enjoy the brevity of explaining the basic idea. The real code released is in Java, uh, but conceptually, the Java code looks very similar to the Python code here. Supporting Python could be uh, interesting future work. So as you've seen, using this framework uh, doesn't require cryptographic uh, expertise. And the module construction is highly encouraged. Of course, we provide uh, much compiler support to aid the uh, application development process, which is detailed in an upcoming paper this year. Now, do you have any questions so far? If no more questions, I want to spend the last few minutes to talk about how we, uh, our experience to deal with circumvention over RAM programs, random access memory programs. 
Here's my favorite random access uh, memory program. It's binary search. It's pretty efficient logarithm time. However, let's assume if both inputs to the binary search, an array and an index, comes from like Alice and Bob who don't want to share them, to exchange them. Can we still expe expect the privacy-preserving version of the binary search to finish in logarithm time? Probably not. The reason is that we have to deal with a random memory access during the computation because the index of the array, uh, because the index of the array depends on the secret inputs from both parties, it needs to be hidden. This prevents us from doing the memory access in constant time. This actually shows a typical problem due to the mismatch of two computational models. On the one hand, we have a circuit model favored by the crypto cryptographers. Since it's easy for them to design generic crypto uh, cryptographic protocols, but in practice, programmers writing applications usually uh, assume they have constant time randomly accessible memory. Uh, but in the settings of uh, secure computation, naive uh, way to hide the index of memory access is to scan through the whole memory, blowing up a constant time operation to linear time operation. The question is, can we do better? Fortunately, we can. This is by leveraging the technique called oblivious run. So oblivious run technique was originally proposed for hiding access patterns when outsourcing storage to untrusted cloud servers. It incurs all in polylogarithmic time overhead uh, per access. We just use this in a black box way. So in the outsourcing storage setting, the main goal is to hide the access pattern Assuming the uh, untrusted server store the array M and the client want to retrieve MI. Through the ORAM component sitting in between, the steps are getting the index I from the client, then issue a number of accesses to the cloud, uh, to the server. The return, then return the MI to the client. The security of ORAM primitive guarantees that the real memory accesses are always independent of the real index, here i. Now, recall that in our secure computation scenario, what we want to hide is the value of i and mi, but to all participants, not just the server. We want to hide it to both. How can we make the uh, ORAM scheme to work with secret inputs and secret outputs? Recall the talk is all about computing over secrets, so the solution is actually simple and elegant. Just implement the ORAM scheme using a generic secure computation protocol. After all, the ORAM is just a circuit. One caveat to design efficient secure computation over ORAM is that we have quite different metric than traditional ORAM. Traditional ORAM, the main design concerns are bandwidth, client storage, server storage, round trips, 
Computation is a very tiny concern, usually ignored by the researchers. However, in the realm of design secure computation over ORAN, the computation really is the biggest overhead in practice because for every computation, we have to transfer the garbage gates, and that contributes a lot to the bandwidth, not the original data. All the computation generates a lot of bandwidth traffic. So we went through a number of ORAMs there, and we designed a, a heuristic-based ORAM called SC ORAM. The details are in the CCS paper we published last year. Um, as you see, the uh, even traditionally path ORAM is faster than tree ORAM, but in the circumvallation uh, uh, realm, the, the, the design space, space uh, says the binary tree ORAM is actually faster. I, anyway, uh, I re recommend you to use the SC ORAM, and uh, the details are in the paper. Now, the last issue, assuming we, we now we handle this uh, memory access over, over I. There's one last issue, which is this. We have this uh, a secret dependent predicate. So a malicious party, by, just by ob observing where the control flow jumps, will be able to learn the circuit on the mid middle value. And ultimately, will, by observing the where you jump, he can possibly know uh, some extra information about your input. A natural way to handle this issue is treat, say, every statement as instructions, and we put all the instructions into RAM, into the memory. Okay. Now the execution becomes, um, at every step, we want to use the program counter to retrieve next instruction to execute. using the ORAN. This works fine, except remember ORAM is pretty slow. We want to avoid that. So can we avoid achieving every instructions uh, from ORAM, every step? It turns out we have some hope, because the program is never a secret. OK. Let's see a, a simple example. Say we have an if-else branch where A is a secret data. So can we hide A by still do the assignments? <coughs> One simple way to do that is using a, using a multiplexer, where A is treated as an a input signal. And the, depending on if it's 0 and 1, we assign B to 10 or 12. It's a pure circuit, multiplexer. The more tricky part is, what if we have an unbalanced branch? We don't have else. Well, this case is not that hard as well. We just put the, uh, when A is false, we just put B back to B. Now, we can do more complicated issue where two branches deal with two different variables. This can be turned out into two multiplexers depending on A. And for the most complicated uh, case, where well, we have a chaining if-else. This can be because we involve multiple sensitive predicates here, A and B. We can translate this into a total of um, six lines of code. 
which are all pure secrets, uh, circuits. There's a name of this, uh, of this technique, which is called uh, trace oblivious program transformation. So we can automate all this translation. Now back into our binary search example, we can translate this, uh, connect, uh, this connected uh, if-else into these uh, six, uh, six lines of straight, for, uh, straight line code. Now the whole binary search only has straight line uh, code. There's no de secret dependent jumps. Now we don't have to put the instruction in the run. So with secure ORAM, a secure completion of ORAM, we found the binary search of a million records can be more than 20 times faster than solutions using naive, uh, naive circuits. We also use this idea to implement um, KMP stream matching, which would have interesting security applications such as detecting intrusions. We also did a uh, secure shortest distance using Dijkstra. In general, we achieve one to two orders of magnitude speed up over a reasonable data size. But uh, the larger the, the data is, um, the greater speed up we can achieve. We are achieving asymptotically better performance. Of course, we, a lot of techniques we've covered here is already automated by a compiler, like uh, automatic partition. Uh, your input variables are labeled with Alice, Bob, or Secure, or Public, then we can automatically decide which part should go into Secure computation, which part can be done locally, and which part can be done just um, public in um, plain computation. And we even provide oblivious program abstractions, such as MapReduce and uh, oblivious data structures. Those are the papers that are covered in, the, in this talk. Um, if you are interested, in Welcome to uh, look for more details in the paper. Um, there have already been a lot of secure uh, multi-party computations there. I my conjecture is that in the next five or ten years there will booming of applications there. So um, you you're encouraged to come up with your cool ideas, and uh, this is the my last slide. Thank you very much. <laughs>